We are the Marcelin Brothers, and this is the Marcelin Brothers Podcast, MBP for short. We are here to share our story and to contribute our thoughts about everyday topics in life. Time to sit back, relax, and get ready for the MVP attack. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Today is april 3rd 2020 and if you are listening or watching you are listening or watching to the marcelin brothers podcast we got m squared in the house what's going on marvin what's up what's up glad to be here hope everyone's staying safe with the whole covid19 epidemic man it is it's definitely getting realer and realer every day man i mean i know at the hospital that i'm working at and i feel like every hospital has probably gotten one of these patients by now. And it's just so interesting how this virus works for some people. You know, you have symptoms that, you know, you're asymptomatic and you don't go through it. You're fine. You got others who, you know, unfortunately, you know, may they rest in peace. You know, they pass away. They're on the ventilator and they die. You got some people who say it's kind of like the worst flu that you've got in your life. And you got some people who, you know, they, they cough for a little bit and they're fine. Like, it's just so interesting how you've got so many manifestations of this virus. And I'm sure you've been watching the news, but people are starting to say that the peak is, at least in South Florida, is going to be in about a month. So we still got about a month for the peak. And then wow. after that, it'll still go down. So that's what they're starting to see in, in you know south florida you know how is it looking over where you are i know you're not currently you know on the inpatient side so you're not necessarily seeing it at the hospital but what's been going on over there yeah man you said it so i am on the outpatient side but i'm not in the hospital and currently right now i just switch rotation so I, again everyone i'm in residency in my third year and in my particular program um, each month we are docked or stationed at a different location. And, and in this month in particular, I'm on my outpatient surgery centers rotation. And the thing is with um, a lot of these outpatient surgery centers, um, the majority of the cases are elective, E-L-E-C-T-I-V-E, meaning uh, patients seek out and they, design, they um, ask to get a certain procedure done ahead of time. It's planned. And these patients are not... Uh, on their deathbed, and they are not in dire necessity. These are not surgeries that will, you know, save a life, so to speak. And because of that, um, you can plan the surgery sooner or later. And in this case, because there is the whole COVID-19 epidemic, um, we're just hitting pause. All these patients can get their surgeries done in the future once the whole COVID-19 epidemic has died down. And because of that, um, right now, I'm just practicing social distancing. Uh, they don't necessarily need me in the hospital right now because we do have other residents who are manning those hospital rotations. But for me, my specific uh, residency ends in June. And in June, I'm scheduled to be back on the hospital floors treating patients. So we'll see what goes on then if COVID-19 is still up and about and uh, in full force or if it's dying down, we don't know. So for me, um, I'm, I'm on the sidelines watching in and, you know, just by tuning in the news and whatnot, they are seeing uh, numbers slowly or the numbers are still on the incline. So it has not peaked yet. And um, I don't have the specific predictions, but I do know that, um, like, for example, the Democratic National Convention uh, got pu- pushed back. I think it was supposed to go on in July, and now they're pushing it back. So if if they see from, you know, politics, ours, if the political individuals are making these types of decisions, imagine what's happening at the state level. And um, right now, I don't think it's dying down just yet. So a couple of things that you, that I wanted you to do some 
more diving deep into. So, you know, one, you kind of talked about, you know, the elective procedures not occurring anymore at the hospital because of the coronavirus. I wanted you to, you know, just talk to our viewers and explain to the viewers why that would be and what the rationale is behind that. And then two, you had told me that you're finishing your residency in June and then that month you would be going to the hospital. Now, is, does that have something to do? Like, are you finishing earlier so that you can help out? Because I have seen some articles, not necessarily here, but in other countries. Well, also, also United States, how they're going to have some med school students maybe start earlier and to to start their residencies to help out with that. So I want to see if you can touch on both of those topics. So first off, why are elective procedures closing down? Because that is something that's going on throughout the United States and the world. Yeah, yeah. So elective procedures are closing down right now because these are procedures that are not life or death, not life-threatening. And what we need to do is ensure that we have enough space, as well as hospital personnel, as well as medical personnel, um, resources as well, uh, to help combat the COVID-19 epidemic. And right now, um, it doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense to utilize those resources um, for individuals who are not necessarily um, sick uh, with the virus. And the other aspect of all this is, let's say we did do a procedure on you. Your natural uh, capability, your immune system, would be more or less in a more heightened state because you had a surgical procedure done. And so I would suspect that you could even potentially increase your chances of having um, more complications uh, if you underwent a surgical procedure where your body's put into uh, a relative increased uh, amount of stress, and then you're introducing the ability to potentially be surrounded by, um, you know, just a virus in general, I don't think that's a good combination. So it's better to allow your bodies and everyone to have the best uh, capabilities of potentially withstanding the virus, um, or if one even got the virus itself, um, I think your ability to get through it may be hampered if you've undergone some sort of um, stressful uh, elective surgical procedure as, com as compared to not. So, yeah, and, yeah, that makes sense. And also, in addition to that, like you said, you want your resources to be conserved for the what we're seeing is a lot of these patients that do have COVID-19, there are quite a bit of them that need to go into the unit. So when I say the unit, that means they need to be in the intensive care unit where you have individuals that are have a much higher acuity and need specialized type of treatments to be able to really stay alive. And when you have surgeries, these are areas that could house these types of individuals. And also in addition to that, you want, there's a, everybody's seen it, the, per, the personal protective equipment. You may have known this as PPE. There's PPE shortages that are going around. And whenever you have these procedures, they usually have to be done in a sterile environment. And whenever they're done in a sterile environment, you're going to have to use per, personal protective equipment. And because we are on shortage of these items, then we want to make sure that we're able to preserve that for the frontline team members who are taking care of these patients who do have the COVID-19 virus. And then also when you're going to be going into some of these elective surgeries, you're probably going to need anesthesia. You may be having to be placed on different ventilators or different types of machines while you're going through the procedures. And we want to make sure that those are safe for the COVID-19 people. So thank you for telling our Marshall Brothers podcast crew about that. You know, the second thing that we touched on was the June thing and you know, you were, you're going to be ending your rotation in June. Is that Has that changed because of this? Tell me about that. My residency from the very beginning was already destined, designed to end in June. Now, all throughout the country, that's typically how it works because July is when people jokingly say, again, jokingly, you don't want to be sick in July because that's when the new rotation of residents come through, right? Jokingly. Now, um, what I have heard 
and I have colleagues who have friends or family who are in allopathic, osteopathic uh, medical schools, is that, yeah, some of these schools are contemplating and they probably will um, graduate residents early um, to get them matriculated in a little sooner so that they can get trained a little more so that once July hits and then the seniors are leaving, the new interns that come in are that much more equipped uh, to handle what's going on right now. And I think that is uh, on the forefront and I think that will happen. But uh, clear across the board, at least in Pennsylvania, it seems, or like the Philadelphia region, um, the universities have shut down. Um, a lot of the uh, students are at home. Some of these universities have are pretty much closing, finishing up classes for the semester, and others are continually uh, continuing virtually. And so, um, everyone is changing the way that things are typically done in lieu of the COVID-19. And I could see how um, people are graduating early, and some people will be thrown into the force a little sooner than later in order to help combat what's going on right now. Um, and that's, that's definitely an interesting happening that is starting to occur more and more around. And right now, if the resources are, are low, you got to try to find creative ways to fill those needs because again, anybody can help. It's not like, I mean, yes, providers and nurses, they're the frontline team members. But right now, like even at the hospital that I'm at, you know, we've got team members who are doing rotation and screening patients and screening team members who are coming into the hospital just to make sure that, you know, they, you know, they're an afebrile, they haven't been traveling anywhere just as a questionnaire. And then we've got team members who are helping out with passing out the protect personal protective equipment throughout the hospital. So right now it's at a point where we just need people to help and to serve maybe some of the things that you might see your frontline nurses do taking those responsibilities from them so that they can focus more of their time and energies to taking care of the patients so it's definitely just resurrecting everything that that you've seen so that that is that there you know i'm you know i've got this article that you know i want us to talk about and i think this is timely as well and I figure instead of having two articles that we're going to discuss today, let's just talk about one and let's just see how this conversation goes. So a lot of people have heard about the stimulus plan that is going to be coming out. And I wanted us to use this as an opportunity just to tell our MVP crew, you know, what exactly is going on and what can they expect to have. So I figured... Let's talk about it now. We'll go through line by line. A lot of this information is going to be stuff that we're going to be learning and we'll be teaching each other. But we also want to make sure that we're able to just teach the MVP crew what to expect when things come out. So with that being said, the title of the article is FAQs on Stimulus Checks, Unemployment, and the Coronavirus Plan. So this article can be found in the New York Times. And this is an article that has been co-authored by Tara Siegel-Bernard and Ron Lieber. So the two million, or I'm sorry, two trillion dollar relief bill will send money directly to Americans, greatly expand unemployment coverage, and make a number of other changes. President Trump has signed a bipartisan two trillion dollar economic relief plan to offer assistance to tens of millions of American households affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Its components include stimulus payments to individuals, expanded unemployment coverage, student loan changes, different retirement account rules, and more. Here are the answers to some of the quest common questions about what's in the plan. We'll update the article as we know more about the details. For more information, you, know, you can definitely check out the New York Times. So first off, stimulus payments. How large will the payments be? Most adults will get $1,200, although some would get less. For every qualifying child age 16 or under, the payment will be an additional $500. How many payments will there be? Just one. Future bills could order up additional payments, though. How do I know will I get the full amount? It depends on your income. 
single adults with social security numbers who have had an adjusted gross income of $75,000 or less will get the full amount. Married couples with no children earning $150,000 or less will receive a total of $2,400. And taxpayers filing as heads of households will get the full payment if they earn $112,000 or less. Above those income figures, the payment decreases until it stops altogether for single people earning $99,000 or married people who have no children and earn $198,000. According to the Senate Finance Committee, a family with two children will no longer be eligible for any payments if its income surpassed $218,000. You can't get a payment if someone claims you as a dependent, even if you're an adult. In any given family, in most circumstances, everyone must have a valid Social Security number in order to be eligible. There is an exception for members of the military. You can find your adjusted gross income on line 8B of the 2019 1040 federal tax return. So, you know, let's just stop with that because that's probably the number one thing that everybody is talking about and that everybody wants to know is that what my money, how much do I get, when I get it, and how much is it going to be? So, you know, what do you think about that number that they chose? 75,000 for singles, 150 for married, the 1200, you know, per person, 2400 for the couple, and then 500 for every kid. To me, I say, hey, if they're going to give us money, that's great. You know, Americans need it right now. There's a lot of individuals who are displaced from work and they have no source of income. Americans need the money, so good job on that. Um, the question I have is, all right, so we're going to get uh, certain individuals will be able to get $1,200. That's great. But what happens if this pandemic continues and the social distancing continues for many more months? Um, is there going to be another round? Um, is this enough? And it's hard to say because every household is different, but I would go out on a limb and say, um, I think people are struggling far more than the 1200 per individual. And so this is a good first step, but I think we're probably going to need more. I think Americans are probably going to need more. Okay. And the good thing about this, if we get to this, there potentially is more based off of what different companies will do. There could potentially be more relief coming to families that could incentivize small business owners to continue having certain individuals continue to work. All right. So do college students get anything? You know, for our audience, we generally, you know, we, we may have some college students, some professional schools who are going to school. So the answer to that is, not if anyone claims them as a dependent on a tax return. Usually students under the age of 24 are dependents in the eyes of the taxing authorities if a parent pays for at least half of their expenses. So if you're not a dependent and you're independent and you go to college, then you get the money. But if somebody's claiming you under their taxes, and most likely they probably are if they're going to be paying for your school, if you have a if you're blessed enough to have somebody to be able to do that then yeah but if you're single you're independent and you're going to school then you may be entitled to that money as well all right so this is a yeah go ahead now in that scenario you're independent you file are we assuming that that individual filed their own taxes the year before or will they have had to have filed taxes so what it says here, so I, I think at the end of the day, they're going to be looking at a tax return is one thing, but I think, and we'll see it later on down the line, I think, you know, what they take a look at is they have to start off with some sort of paid, something that's registered. I think they also look at individuals who may be receiving welfare, individuals that may be receiving food stamps. So a lot of it just depends on how can you prove what your income is. So since it's dependent on your income, you most likely have to have made some sort of income. So if you haven't made any income, then usually you are going to be a dependent under somebody because you can't survive on your own. If you do make an income, 
then you're going to be filing taxes and that's how you're going to be able to get that money. That's how I would answer that one. All right. So another thing that's interesting that a lot of people are looking at is tax season because we are kind of in tax season right now. The if you guys haven't known, so generally tax season, you have to file your taxes by April 15th. And if you do it later than that and you owe money, then you get penalties. If you can do a you can file for an extension if you need to. But generally it's April 15th. But with everything that's been going on in the stimulus package, they've pushed back the actual tax due date till July 15th. So this is very interesting because one if you know you'll owe taxes, then the question is, if things aren't going well economically, maybe you push back when you file because the further you push back when you file, the further away you can pay back those taxes. But if you're expecting a return, the sooner you file your taxes, the sooner you get your return. So that's just a, another caveat just to throw into the mix. But with regards to looking at what year's income will be determining if you're going to be getting what you'll be getting from the stimulus check, 2019, if you haven't prepared a tax return yet, then you can use the 2018 return. If you have filed your taxes, they'll be looking at the 2019. If you haven't filed that yet, you can use a 2019 Social Security statement showing your income to see what an employee reported to the IRS. So this is an interesting rule, or this is this is something to think about. The reason why is what happens if you have a sudden increase or decrease in salary that may allow for you to be able to get the money or not get the money. So if you are around that $75,000 range, if you are above it, you don't get anything. If you're below it, you do get stuff. So from a tax preparer's perspective, if 2018, I didn't make a lot of money, in 2019, let's say I made $74,000, $73,000, and then I got a raise in 2019, and I make 80000 maybe I need to hold off on doing my 2019 return because if the government sees the 2019 return, then I'm not going to get any money. So that's some of the, the things that you just have to think about. Or 2019, you have an opportunity to, to make sure that you're able to get some more deductions in because they're also pushing back when you need to be able to put in your monies for your IRA until July 15th as well. So that could be tricky and interesting, the way that you're looking at it for the tax year. Why don't you take on the, the next question to answer session, Marvin? All right. What if my recent income made me ineligible, but I anticipate being eligible because of a loss of income in 2020? Do I get a payment? The plan does not help people in that circumstance now, but you may benefit once you file your 2020 taxes. That's because the payment is technically in advance on a tax credit that is available for the entire year. So it will depend on how much you earn. And there are many other provisions in the legislation. You may be able to file for unemployment or for one of the new loans for small business owners or sole proprietors. Will I have to apply to receive a payment? No. If the Internal Revenue Service already has your bank account information from your 2019 or 2018 returns, it will transfer the money to you via direct deposit based on the recent income tax figures it already has. What if my direct deposit information has changed or I want to add it for the first time? On March 30th, the IRS said on its website that it would build a portal where people can update their information in the coming weeks. When will the payment arrive? Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said, has said he expected most people to get their payments by April 17th. Presumably, those people using the new portal would not get money until a few weeks after they are first able to provide their information. The IRS has not said 
when those receiving paper checks would get them. What if I haven't filed tax returns recently? Will that affect my ability to receive a payment? It could. People who typically do not file a tax return will need to file a simple tax return to receive an economic impact payment, the IRS announced on its website on March 30th. Included among those are many low-income taxpayers, veterans, and individuals with disabilities. The IRS was quick to reassure those people that they would not somehow end up owing tax just because they are filing tax returns now in order to make it easier to receive this one-time payment. It said it would post information soon on its coronavirus information page about how to file a tax return with simple but necessary information, including direct deposit information. If you're worried about money that you already owe that you cannot pay, the IRS recommends consulting a tax professional who can help you request an alternative payment plan or some other resolution. You may be able to apply online without the help of a pro. Will most people who are receiving Social Security retirement and disability payments each month also get a stimulus payment? Yes. Will eligible unemployed people get those stimulus payments? Veterans? Yes and yes. Will U.S. citizens living abroad get a payment? Yes, as long as they meet the income requirements and have a social security number. So what do you think about that little spiel of um, questions and answers that I went through? All right, so I think one of these things that you talked about was something that we had asked about before, and this was the whole, if you're a college student, you know, do you get the stimulus check or not? And again, a lot of it depends on whether or not your parents claim you for underneath as a dependent for your taxes. Now, if your parents didn't, or maybe you're a little older, you're still in college, but you don't work and you rely on loans, then and you don't work, then it pretty much just said that, you know, if you haven't filed your tax returns yet because you didn't make any money you can still file a simple return and with that simple return then you would be able to have that information in a database and then you would be able to get the monies from the stimulus check so i thought that was interesting so a lot of students may look at that depending on what their situation is i think the timing of when the payments will arrive i think that's pretty important because a lot of people who've done this whole you know, when pretty much most of the states, I think I read somewhere like two thirds to three fourths of America right now is doing the whole stay at home thing. And if you think about when a lot of these stay at home things started, a lot of these started, I mean, this might be like week three, I think, because you remember when the president was doing the whole 15 days, I think we're on week three of that. And now it's, you know, 30 days. So when you think of paychecks, that last paycheck for a lot of people was probably last week. If you're getting paid, you know, two one week or two weeks from when you did it, and it's every two weeks that you get paid, last week could have been the last time that a lot of people might have gotten paid, and then this week would probably be the last time too. So between now and April 17th, people may be missing a couple of paychecks. So the timing of this coming through is going to be very important because right now you probably have people who are now starting to rely on their emergency fund savings at this point because they may not be getting any payments if they are not working so that whole april 17th date is very important to take a look at so i thought that was interesting and then the other piece that i thought was interesting in in looking at the rest of this stuff was you know unemployed people can get the stimulus pay payments. So that's that's good too. Again, you just fill out that form and then you're good to go if you, if you have done that. So those are probably the biggest things from the items that you read that I thought was interesting that would, that would be able to help out. We, we talked a little bit about how you get the payments. You will pretty much get those payments either mailed to you 
or if you did the whole direct deposit of getting those funds. And I think a majority of people do do the direct deposits, so that's nice because there's no work that needs to be done. If you are eligible, you're going to be able to get it in. And then I think the other thing that was interesting is, let's say this year you're not eligible based off of the 2019 taxes, but technically the whole coronavirus thing happened in 2020. We are in 2020, so you're technically not going to be seeing the tax return of 2020 until you get to 2021. So it does make sense with what they were saying that this is more of a tax credit that's going to happen in the future, but you get it now because technically in 2019, you know, you weren't, you didn't have that financial hardship of the coronavirus. So it's interesting because you, you can use up to three tax years to be able to get something depending on what's going on. So those were some of the interesting facts that I think you pulled out when we were talking about some of the frequently asked questions. All right. So shall I continue or do you want to take the lead? You know, let's I'm going to pick some some other stuff. All right. So I'll start reading some more. All right. So if my payment doesn't come soon, how can I be sure that it wasn't misdirected? According to the bill, you will get a paper notice in the mail no later than a few weeks after your, your repayment has been dispersed. That notice will contain information about where the payment ended up and in what form it was made. If you couldn't locate the payment at that point, it would be time to contact the IRS using the information on the notice. Do I have to pay income taxes on the amount in my payment? No. If my income tax refunds are currently being garnished because of a student loan default, will this payment be garnished as well? No. In fact, the bill temporarily suspends nearly all efforts to garnish tax refunds to repay debts, including to those that the IRS itself. But this waiver may not apply to people who are behind on child support. We let's, let's finish that because the next section is a totally new section. But what were your thoughts on the, the four items that I read about just now? Anything that stuck out to you, anything that you feel is important for the MVP crew to understand and to pay attention to? Yeah, something that I found very interesting is that um, you don't have to pay any income taxes on payment. Because, you know, every time the government gives you anything, they always say, give me my cut first, you know, figuratively speaking, of course. And so the fact that they were actually saying, you know what, you're not even going to have to pay taxes on what's being given, I think that will truly help um, a lot of people as well. And then um, I think it's another great aspect if you have a student loan and you are under financial duress to begin with and you're not able, you're not able to pay your monthly income uh, or monthly payments for the student loans, um, this won't be garnished and taken away from you. Because again, at the end of the day, we are experiencing this now and people need help right now. So they are allowing all of these um, stops, they're preventing these stops from preventing individuals from getting the stimulus package that they uh, desperately need. So I think those are good moves that they made. I think those are good moves. All right, Marvin, why don't you take us on over to the next section of these frequently asked questions, and that's going to be about unemployment benefits. So go on ahead, Marvin, do your thing, and talk to us about what that entails. All right. Who will be covered by the expanded program? The plan wraps in far more workers than are usually eligible for unemployment benefits, including self-employed people and part-time workers. The bottom line, those who are unemployed are partly unemployed or cannot work for a wide variety of coronavirus reasons will be more likely to receive benefits. How much will I receive? It depends on your state. Benefits will be expanded in an attempt to replace the average worker's paycheck, explained Andrew Stetner, a senior fellow at the Century Foundation, a public policy research group. The average worker earns about $1,000 a week and unemployment benefits often replace roughly 40 to 45% of that. The expansion will pay an extra amount to fill the gap. Under the plan, eligible workers will get an extra $600 per week on top of their state benefit, but some states are more generous than others. According to the Century Foundation, the maximum weekly benefit in Alabama 
is $275, but it's $450 in California and $713 in New Jersey. So let's say a worker was making $1,100 per week in New York. She'd be eligible for the maximum state unemployment benefit of $504 per week. Under the new expansion, she gets an additional $600 of federal pandemic unemployment compensation for a total of $1,104, essentially replacing her original paycheck. States have the option of providing the entire amount in one payment or sending the extra portion separately, but it must all be done on the same weekly basis. Are gig workers, freelancers, and independent contractors covered? Yes, self-employed people are newly eligible for unemployment benefits. Benefit amounts will be calculated based on previous income using a formula from the Disaster Unemployment Assistance Program, according to a congressional aid. Self-employed workers will also be eligible for an additional $600 weekly benefit provided by the federal government. What if I'm a part-time worker who lost my job because of a coronavirus reason, but my state doesn't cover part-time workers? Am I still eligible? Yes, part-time workers are eligible for benefits, but the benefit amount and how long benefits will last depend on your state. They are also eligible for the additional $600 weekly benefit. What if I have COVID-19 or need to care for a family member who has it? If you've received a diagnosis, are experiencing symptoms, or are seeking a diagnosis, and you're unemployed, partly unemployed, or cannot work as a result, you will be covered. The same goes if you must care for a member of your family or household who has received a diagnosis. What if my child's school or daycare shut down? If you rely on a school, a daycare, or another facility to care for a child, elderly parent, or another household member so that you can work, and that facility has been shut down because of coronavirus, you are eligible. What if I've been advised by a healthcare provider to quarantine myself because of exposure to coronavirus? And what about broader orders to stay home? People who must self-quarantine are covered. The legislation also says that individuals who are unable to get to work because of a quarantine imposed as a result of the outbreak are eligible. I was about to start a job and now I can't get there because of an outbreak you are eligible for benefits. You will also be covered if you were immediately laid off from a new job and did not have a sufficient work history to qualify for benefits under normal circumstances. I had to quit my job as a direct result of coronavirus. Would I be eligible to apply for benefits? It depends. Let's say your employer didn't lay you off but you had to quit because of a quarantine recommended by a healthcare provider or because your child's daycare closed and you're the primary caregiver. Situations like that are covered, but this provision wasn't intended to cover people who quit or who want to quit because they fear that continuing to work puts them at risk of contracting coronavirus, according to congressional aides. My employer shut down my workplace because of coronavirus. Am I eligible? Yes. If you are unemployed, partly unemployed, or unable to work because your employer closed down, you're covered under the bill. The breadwinner of my household has died as a result of coronavirus. I relied on that person for income, and I'm not working. Is that covered? Yes. Whom does the bill leave out? Workers who are able to work from home and those receiving paid sick leave or paid family leave are not covered. New entrants to the workforce who cannot find jobs are also ineligible. How long will the payments last? Many states already provide 26 weeks of benefits, although some states have trimmed that back while others provide a sliding scale tied to unemployment levels. 
The bill provides all eligible workers with an additional 13 weeks. So participants in states with 26 weeks would be eligible for a total of 39 weeks. The total amount cannot exceed 39 weeks, but it may be shorter in certain states. The extra $600 payment will last for up to four months, covering weeks of unemployment ending July 31st. How long would the broader program last? Expanded coverage would be available to workers who were newly eligible for unemployment benefits for weeks starting on January 27, 2020, and through December 31st, 2020. Dude, that's a lot of information. What are you thinking so far? I mean, it's they they went a lot into it. so some of the things that you know I'll I'll just give you some of my thoughts. So along with the unemployment benefits, what I think this is cool about is the for the people who need it, of course, are going to be the individuals that if you're usually collecting unemployment, usually that's done on a state level. So you'll usually be getting monies, for instance, Florida. You'll get monies through the state of Florida. Essentially, what is going to be going on with the stimulus package is that the government, the federal government, is going to be giving money in addition to the state government. So this is almost like a a buy one get one free, if you will, which is exactly what the individuals who have been laid off, this is what they're going to be able to need. So I think that's that's a nice little bump. So when we were talking a little bit about you know a lot of team a lot of individuals who are working that their last paycheck would have been last week or this week coming up, you know, having the unemployment through the state plus having the federal, that might push them along a little bit more. So I think that's something that that is very important for individuals who don't have the money. I think another thing that's good is a lot of times when it comes to benefits, it's usually the full-time or the part-time team members are the ones that usually get benefits and get benefited from it, but they're going to be looking at self-employed people, which I think is is nice too. The self-employed people are going to be a lot of individuals who essentially they're kind of like small business owners. They, if depending on how they do things, they're their own. They're they are their own boss. So being able to look out for self-employed individuals, I think helps cover more people than what would have initially been done. So I think that was a nice little touch that was added for the self-employed individuals. I think that, you know, for childcare or childcare or your schools shut down, I think that is is pretty important because you're going to be able to take advantage because now you have to work. You don't have an opportunity to take, to have your child go to school. So then what is going to happen for that child? So you're going to be eligible to get some of these monies if that occurs. So that's going to be a lot of individuals, if you think about it. A lot of people rely on school or daycare to care for somebody. So a lot of people are going to be able to benefit from that. Obviously, the people who are going to be at a disadvantage because they do have the coronavirus, you know, that's going to be something that is going to help them. So if they're going to be self-quarantined, you know, they're going to be covered because... They may or may not have COVID-19, so I think that's also something that the government is taking a look at. And I, I think those are probably the big things. What's interesting here, whom does the bill leave out? Workers who are able to work and those who get money. So really, with this bill, the people who need the money are going to be are really supposed to be the people who, who can't work. So if you're if you are able to work from home and you're making money, then, you know, you, you should be, that should be okay. So I, I thought that was interesting when it comes to that. How long will the payments last? Many states already provide 26 weeks. So the bill will give some workers an additional 13 weeks. So I think that's that's pretty interesting as well when it comes to the unemployment benefits because it's going to allow for unemployment to go further than what the normal stuff is so that again all the stuff that we're talking about 
we are talking about individuals who will be able to collect unemployment. We're not talking about people who will be able to get the the twelve hundred dollars or less. This is specifically talking about unemployment. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows that what we are talking to and what the context is of that. So I think I think those are the things that I thought was interesting and I didn't know if you had anything that you wanted to add to that, Marvin. Yeah, I had one thing that I kind of just jumped out in front of me. And this was under the section of um, I had to quit my job as a direct result of coronavirus. Would I be eligible to apply for benefits? And the thing that's interesting about this particular scenario is intent. What do I mean by that? This particular uh, subset explains that if you had to quit your job, because um, you uh, let's say you have to take care of your child and conflict of interest, you choose your child over your job, then they say that situations like that, you are covered. However, they mention that if you quit your job because of fear and you are afraid of being put at risk for contracting the coronavirus, um, you might not be able to get the funds. So that's really hearsay. He said, she said type of thing. You know what I mean? Are you going to have to write your intent as to why one thing happened? And then does someone have to read it, vet that information, and then be the final say in regards to, yes, you will get help. No, you will not get help. That's where I was like, everything up to that point seemed pretty much clear cut where you know what the rules are. But now here, this is like a gray area. Based on how you write your answer, it sounds, will determine whether or not they will give you the funds in this particular situation. Yeah, and again, what we're looking at here is we're looking at the unemployment. We're not unemployment benefits versus looking at will you be able to receive the stimulus check. So, you know, with unemployment, that is not necessarily related to the coronavirus initially for people who were already working and and all of a sudden they're just quitting. So I think, like you said, it's the intent of what they're looking at. I mean, and this is always a, a very controversial topic when it comes to essentially welfare and unemployment and do people, what is the role that the government has to be able to help individuals survive and you know there are those who feel like hey you only when you work you get paid if you don't work you don't get paid and then there is the camp of well if i can't work the government should be able to help me out because the job of the government is to make sure they take care of the people and financially is one of the ways that you need to be taken care of. So I think when you're looking at unemployment and you're looking at this, I think this is probably one of those things where they're just trying to avoid somebody just wanting to get, you know, a free paycheck. But again, when you're looking at the coronavirus and you're looking at these stay at home orders and you're seeing who's affected, I mean, really only essential workers, essential workers are going to be there. And if you look at the economy, usually they have essential workers as, healthcare individuals, they look at certain government officials, you look at individuals who are responsible for payroll, they'll look at pharmacies, healthcare, they'll look at grocery stores, police departments, you know, those type of individuals. But other than that, you know, everybody else, you know, isn't really considered quote unquote essential. So because of that, that's, that's got to be, that's a lot of people who will be taken care of. So this would have to be somebody who is an essential worker who doesn't want to be able to work all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden they just want to collect checks. So this is probably a minority of the cases that this would affect somebody because I think everything else will have already been taken care of because you can't work. And if you can't work, that is one of the facets that you can use to be able to collect unemployment. So I want to touch on student loans. So student loans, you know, for 
the people in my generation, that's going to be a big thing. And what the federal government is trying to do is they're also trying to provide support for individuals who have student loans. I mean, you can imagine if you're having to stay home, you may be furloughed because you don't have a job anymore, but bills still pile up. And one of the biggest bills is going to be student loans. So let's talk a little bit about some of the items that are being covered by this bill. So the federal government has already waived two months of payment and interest for any for many federal student loan borrowers. Is there a bigger break now with the new bill? Yes. Until September 30th, there will be automatic payments suspensions for any student loan held by the federal government, and it's retroactive to March 13th. It is hard to contact many of the loan services right now, so check your online account in the coming weeks. Once you log in, look at the current amount due. There should, there you should be able to see if the servicer has reset its billing system so that you are showing no payment due. How do I know if my loan is eligible? If you have borrowed money from the federal government, a so-called direct loan, in the past 10 years, you're definitely eligible. According to the Institute of College for Colleges Access and Success, 90% of loans in dollar terms will be eligible. Older federal family education loans that the U.S. Department of Education does not own are not eligible, nor are Perkins loans that your school owns. Ask your financial aid office if you're not sure. Loans from state agencies or loans from private lenders like Discover, Sally Mae, and Wells Fargo. The holders of all those types of loans may be offering their own assistance. Within a few weeks, you're supposed to receive notice indicating what has happened with your federal loans. You can choose to keep paying down the principal if you want, and you should contact your loan servicer if that is the case. Then after August 1st, you should get multiple notices letting you know about the cessation of the suspension period and that you may be eligible to enroll in an income-driven plan. I'm signed up for automatic payments. Will my servicer turn them off by itself during the period? Yes, that is supposed to happen according to the information that the Education Department posted. What happens if I've already made a payment since March 13th? You can ask your loan servicer to refund it to you. But keep in mind that it is taking time for servicers to interpret Education Department guidances so that they can change their websites and update their service customer service representations, representatives. Will my loan service charge me interest during the six-month period? The bill says that interest shall not accrue on the loan during the suspension period. After repeated questions, the Education Department said any unpaid interest from before the grace period will not be added to the loan's principal, a process known as capitalization because of the six-month suspension. In short, no one is supposed to have a larger balance after the suspension than before. At the end of the suspension, keep a close eye out on what your loan servicer does or does not do to put you back into your previous repayment mode. Service errors are common. Will the six-month suspension cost me money since I'm trying to qualify for the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program by making 120 monthly payments? No. The legislation says that your current that your payment count will still go up by one payment each month during a six-month suspension, even though you will not actually be making any payments. This is true for all forgiveness or loan rehabilitation programs. Is Wayne garnishment that resulted from being behind on my loan payment suspended during the six-month period? Yes, so is the seizure of tax refunds, the reduction of any other federal benefit payments, and other involuntary collection efforts. And finally, are there changes to the rules if my employer repays some of my student loans? Yes, some employers do this as an employee benefit. Between the date the bill is signed and to the end of 2020, they can offer up to $5,250 of assistance without that money counting as part of an employee's income. If the employer pays tuition for classes an employee is taking, that amount will also count towards the $5,250. So, man, this, this is definitely going to help out a lot of individuals who are in the process of trying to pay back their student loans. You know, I heard the student, I don't know what the number is, but I think student loans is one of the biggest loans that the the world has right now. And I don't know what the exact number is, but what do you think about these changes or these things that the, the CARES Act is trying to do when it comes to student loans and how should individuals paying back loans feel right now? 
again, I think um, the proponents of this bill is going in the right direction. Now, that is one thing, right? Now, the, the other side of the story or the coin, per se, is the implementation of it. Now, there's been many situations where the intent is for option A to occur, but in reality, option C occurs. Like, what do I mean by that? One aspect is um, the automatic payment thing. Technically, from what they're saying, these loan servicer companies um, should automatically turn this off on their own. But I can assure you that um, with my automatic loan payment, a payment went through for the month of March already. So uh, should that have already been turned off? Because my payment already went through, you know? So I don't know how long it'll take before each and every person, this stuff gets stopped. And um, I know these are the intentions, but how will they truly get implemented? I I don't know. So we'll see what happens. But I think um, this is the right idea um, on paper. This is the direction that it should go. uh, Because like you mentioned, I do believe that uh, student debt is up in the trillion mark, I think. And yeah, this is probably one of the biggest debts that are out there within the U.S. economy. And it's unfortunate that our generation is the one that has to bear the brunt of all of this for whatever reason. I mean, I I might be going on a tangent (laughs) right now, but uh, the education that we're receiving versus the education of our predecessors Uh, you can argue it should more or less be the same, right? But why has it increased, why has the payment increased by X-fold, you know? So, yeah, it's easy for the generation before us to say, well, this is how much all this costs, but give us a break. Like, how are we supposed to manage if if we want to go through med school and the price that you're going to be paying is probably going to be like 200000 plus just for tuition, <laughs> not including like room and board and all of that stuff. Whereas the predecessors before us, when they got that same med school degree, they probably, it probably cost them um, a quarter of that or even an eighth of that. You know what I mean? So, but in any case, yes, this will help. Um by allowing uh, the student debt uh, servicer to not implement collection until September, it, any little thing helps, and this is something that will help. Yeah, I think for all people who are in loan repayment, I think it helps everybody. It helps people in different ways. Now, for those who are not participating in the federal loan forgiveness program but you have federal school loans then again you don't have to worry about interest for six months so i think that's a big push that's good and you can imagine if you're owing a hundred two hundred three hundred thousand dollars you know the four five six percent that adds up so that helps those individuals because if they do have jobs they can continue to pay those off now those individuals they can if they're not participating in the federal loan forgiveness program but they still have federal loans, they can pause it. Maybe they don't have work right now, so they can pause it for six months and it's not considered forbearance, which is good too. And what I liked about this is that it's not one of those things where like when you have subsidized or unsubsidized loans, like when you have unsubsidized loans, when you get that loan, the interest rate starts when you start going to school. Whereas the subsidizes, the government will pay the interest on those loans until you graduate and you're able to start working, and then you do that. So what I like about this is this is almost being subsidized, where not only is it 0%, it's 0% throughout the whole time, and then once you get back to that six months end, it's not like, well, you have you owe six months worth of interest. No, you pretty much start where you left off. So I think that is good, because like we talked about earlier with the with the the credit we were thinking are you going to be taxed on the credit so i think that is something that's very good and 
again, it seems like everybody who needs it, like this is really not trying to nickel and dime and the government's going to try to do aha. They, they're really trying to help you out when it comes to the loans. So I think that is very good for individuals because essentially those are six months and depending on how much you owe, I mean, that could be, you know, 6,000 bucks if you're owed $1,000 a month. And if you don't have a job, $6,000 is a lot of money. So I think that's pretty good. Marvin, you want to talk a little bit about retirement accounts or do we want to cap this part of the article and do part two another time? What are you feeling, man? I'm feeling like we've got through a lot of information so far, right? But there's so much more good information on this article. I feel like we might need to hit the pause button for now and then come back at it full speed for the next episode. I think that might be the best route. All right. Why don't we end up doing that? So the Marston Brothers podcast crew, you know, you've got about an hour of information and let's give you guys some time to sit and digest exactly what's going on. I think that there's a lot of good information. I think a lot of the questions that the MBP crew may have had with regards to what is in this CARES Act has been answered. So if you guys ever have any questions with any of this stuff, feel free to check back on this episode of the podcast. Did you know this is going to be episode number 50, I believe? This is going to be episode number 50. Let's go, man. Number 50. So <laughs> that that number, that's a big number. But you guys can always go back to episode number 50. You know, we'll, we'll I'll try to add a link to the podcast on this specific story so that you have an opportunity to do more studying about it. But definitely take some time to digest it and then get back on it when you have some more time to think about it. So Marvin... What do we do from here, man? What are you going to do? What are your favorite parts of this bill thus far as we leave our viewers with something to take home with? To me, the best part is um, the bill is leaving behind funds for individuals who need it the most. And this is something that passed through the legislation on both sides of the aisle. And I think this is something that we need to continue to focus on um, things that will help us now and help individuals who are truly in need. I don't even know if I can top that. I mean, again, the people who are going to need the money, which is pretty much everybody, there's going to be something for pretty much everybody. And, you know, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, you know, when it comes to COVID-19, that virus doesn't care what your political stance is. It doesn't care what your socioeconomic status is. It doesn't care about your race. It, it just doesn't care. It's a great equalizer. So in times like this, it's nice to be able to have a bill that is going to help anybody who really needs to help. And I think that this is a nice step in the right direction to help the people who need it the most. And, you know, what are these individuals going to do, you know, once these paychecks, you know, don't come in. So I think that this is a nice start. I think that it's not only just the paychecks, what that'll help, but eventually, you know, that's, you know, we got to get back to business. So that's one thing. And I think it's also good for the people who are going to be owing money. I mean, this might be a great opportunity for America to, to really be able to help their fellow American out and see what we can do to get us through this. Because it's usually times where there is stress, times where there are bad outcomes that sometimes help bring the best out of people. It, it helps individuals come together to focus on something that is bigger than them. And I think that's one thing that this country needs at this point. And I think that this bill might be the start to that. Well said. Well said. All right. So think you can take it away for us? All right, man. So you guys already know where to find us. You've been listening for 50 episodes, so you know how to hit us up. You know what we want you to do. So just do it when it comes to our podcast and the likes. And with that being said, again, it's been another great episode. 
on the Marston Brothers podcast. I'll be seeing you later. You enjoy the weekend. Say hi to the fam. I'll make sure the fam knows that you said hello. And we'll get back at it next time, all right? All righty. Take care, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Marston Brothers Podcast. And remember, do work and make a difference in somebody's life. What are you doing? To a microphone. Are you talking to the microphone? Yeah. Are you making noise? Yeah. How old are you? Two. Two. Yeah, I two. Okay. <laughs> what else are you doing? I do a three. You're three? Ten, eleven. Eleven? Yeah. Four? Yeah, four. And five? Okay. Okay. And six. Very good. You're going to play with... Play with grandma? No, I play Eli, okay? Eli's sleeping. Are you going to take a nap? No. Okay. I want to go on a cruise. What do you want to do? I'm going to go on a cruise. When are you going on a cruise? I'm going to go on a cruise. Maybe another time. Okay. All right. All right. All right, I'm going to press ready? stop. We're ready? Yeah. Okay. I put the stop. Sink. Why are you picking your nose? See? You're picking your boogers. I got this. Okay. I think we've got enough video, right? Yeah. We got enough recording? Yeah. Are we going to pay you royalties? Yeah. Okay. Anything else do you want to say? Yeah. What else do you want to say? Uh, my teeth. Your teeth? What color are your teeth? What's that? What's what? What's that? That's, I don't know. You tell me. What's that? Okay. All right, Philia.